Welcome to Veteran Voices, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to those that have served in the United States Armed Forces. On this series, jointly presented by Supply Chain Now and Vets2 Industry, we sit down with a wide variety of veterans and veteran advocates to gain their insights, perspective, and stories from serving. We talk with many individuals about their challenging transition from active duty to the private sector, and we discuss some of the most vital issues facing veterans today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton and the one and only Mary-Kate Saliva with you here on Veteran Voices. Mary-Kate, how you doing? All right, Scott. Thank you. It is so good to see you. Uh, I'm such, I'm the biggest Mary-Kate Saliva fan. I love what you're doing as hosting and leading Veteran Voices. And thanks for letting me make an appearance with a a special guest here. Hey, thank you, Scott. Well, I appreciate you joining me on this this fine day. (laughs) It is a gorgeous day out there. I was just outside looking at our flowers, but I digress. Uh, We have got a great guest here today. A wonderful conversation teed up with a U.S. Army veteran doing big things now in the public affairs, public relations, and communications arena, and one that continues to serve our veteran community. So stay tuned for a great discussion. Uh, Mary-Kate, as you know, this program is part of the Supply Chain Now Family Programming, and we conduct it in partnership with our friends at Vets to Industry, a powerful nonprofit doing big things for the veteran community, right? Well, Brian and the whole team over there. Uh, we're big yes. fans. Big fans. Big fans. They helped me so much during my transition from the military. So lots of love for Vest Industry. Yeah. And that's how we met Mary Kate. And, you know, we're going to have it to do is. a future show on some of the, not uh, not to call them case studies, but just some testimonials of how they've helped so many people in their transition. So we'll have to tee that up for a future episode. But love today, Mary Kate, today, uh, I want to yes. welcome in our guest. Uh, are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah, I've been ready. I've been waiting for for this for a while. (laughs) So uh, our guest, and we'll introduce her, served on active duty as a U.S. Army officer for more than 10 years. She currently serves as Director for Communications for the Veterans Health Administration's Office of Clinical Services, which is part of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. So I want to welcome in Selena Miners. How are you doing? Hi, Scott and Mary-Kate. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. You bet. Well, Selena, it's great to meet you again. We had a little technical uh, snafu <laughs> on my end last time, so it's so great yeah. to have you back. It's great to be back. Thanks. <laughs> so, Mary-Kate, we've already kind of, you know, I've got a sneak peek on Selena's journey. I'm, I'm really excited to dive in here and sharing it with our Veteran Voices community and ecosystem. Are you ready to get started? I'm excited. I, I love I love where this is going already. <laughs> and I love welcoming in a veteran sister. You can see, Scott, I keep inviting my veteran sisters on, on veteran voices. You know, that's such an important uh, element, you know, for so many different reasons. You know, I think our last guest, Rabinick, what last, I can't remember her first Marina. name. Marina. Marina, yes. Marina. In the U.S. Navy, yes. Powerful story. And, and she also, much like Selena here, continues to serve uh, the veteran community. So I loved that discussion. But so Selena... As we dive into your story here today, before we talk about, and Mary Kate's going to talk about your time in uniform, let's get to know you a little better. So tell us where'd you grow up and give us an anecdote or two about your upbringing. Well, I grew up in Niceville, Florida. It, yes, it is very nice. It is on the panhandle, um, right underneath Alabama, essentially. Okay. And so, 
a little bit about my upbringing is, you know, I even came from a military family. My dad is retired Air Force, and he retired as a master sergeant. And he really instilled in me a lot of values and personality traits that I carried on. One thing that I remember is every weekend, every Sunday morning, 5 a.m., he'd wake me up. Really? And I'm thinking, yes, (laughs) all through my teenage years and everything. And I didn't realize that this isn't really normal until later, but he would wake me up and we would, we had a little routine where we would go to Denny's for breakfast and then we would go to Walmart and he would buy some fishing supplies and he would let me buy school supplies, which was like, I was obsessed with school supplies. And, you know, we would do different things. Like he would teach me to drive. He would teach me how to get my oil changed um, or how to change my oil in my car. And, you know, I remember even when my car broke down, he was like, well, I hope you have a great pair of running shoes. (laughs) Chevrolet. (laughs) I mean, it was... He uh, he knew how to fix everything. He do- he knows how to fix everything still, and he's just a good hometown Michigan, you know, American boy, mm. <laughs> basically. Mm. And so I love yeah, I love those Sunday mornings as you described. Seems so instrumental in your upbringing, Mary Kate. How special it would that be, huh? It is. And I think like you said, in the, in the moment in your teenage years, waking up that early is probably not, but I mean, looking back on it now, like you say, you got those memories going to Denny's, learning how to, I mean, those just life skills, right? Right. They teach you in school. So that's so, special. Mary Kate, I've got a special question for Selena. Were you into trapper keepers like I was as a kid? Uh, trapper keepers, Lisa Frank. I mean, you name it. I was into it. If it was Lisa school Frank. supplies, yes, yes, definitely. Um, but right. my dad, I think, is the reason why I am so tough. You know, people right. always say, oh, you're so tough. You're so tough. I'm not, I don't think I'm really that tough because my bar is higher than it probably should be. But whenever I'm around people, you know, even if it's lifting one of those big water jugs onto the thing, oh, no problem. And people are like, <laughs> What's wrong with you? Like well, you, it sounds you like know? it sounds like to me, Selena, uh, is that your dad was a kind of a hammer, meat, nail, make it happen, fix it. You know, in them, you know, very practically minded, and and that's kind of some of the things I'm picking up uh, as you describe um, what he taught you and kind of how you are now. One quick question before we switch over to your time in the military: what would your dad do in the Air Force? He was an electrician. Mm. So even today, he like, I have these snowflake Christmas lights. I've had them since 2008. They like flash whenever they break, like, you know, one snowflake doesn't right. work anymore. I'm like, oh my gosh, dad. And he'll fiddle with it. He'll fiddle really? with it. He'll fix it. Yeah. He can fix anything electrical. Really? Yeah. Well, those no, are that's, valuable. That's a good guy to have around. No kidding, Mary Kate. You took the words right <laughs> out of my mouth. Well, um, so in your dad's name. Selena? His name is John. John. Well, John, big shout out from Mary Kate Hi, and I and the veteran, veteran yes. voices. Thank you for your um, service. Family. That's <laughs> right. So Mary Kate, speaking of service, that's a great segue. Man, you're reading my mind. Where are we going yes. from here? 
Let's talk about your time in uniform. What branch did you serve in? What'd you do? And definitely got to know about where you where you went, because I know that we don't always go to the nicest places, but <laughs> we'd love to hear about your time in uniform. Well, so surprisingly, surprise to everyone uh, in my family, I joined the Army. I did yes. try to join the Air Force first. And my, so my undergraduate degree is in broadcast journalism from the University of Central Florida. And when I graduated, I was interviewing to be a TV news reporter. I did get an offer in Dothan, Alabama, I remember, and it was just not going to make ends meet. So mm. I was like, you know what, this isn't going to work for me. I need health care. I need stability. I need, you know, so... I went to the Air Force. I said, well, they have broadcasters. Let me try to join the Air Force. And it was just a very long process with the Air Force. And it didn't really work out in according with my, accordance with my timeline. And my dad was like, okay, that's cool. You want to be a broadcaster in the Air Force. Is that an officer or is that enlisted? And, and I didn't know, honestly, anything about the rank structure at all. Like, I had no idea until you know, I was already in the army, what ranks really meant. And um, he said, I said, Oh, I think they they said they'd bring me in as an E3. You know, I was happy to be considered to be a broadcaster. Yeah, I was. Mm -hmm. And he was like, No, I did not help you get through college Mm -hmm. to to not go the officer route. And I was like, Okay, I don't know what that means. But I went over to the army recruiter. And they were like, you know, this was 2006. So they were like, come on in. <laughs> See, we say going over to the army. They're like literally across the hall. They're just like standing yes. in the doorway, right? They were to pull the actually, they, <laughs> they literally were standing outside there. You know, they have those armed forces recruiting centers where there's the air force Marines, all the branches. And I was walking back to my car and the army recruiter was like, Hey, where are you going? You know, and, and I was like, nowhere. <laughs> and then they kind of dragged me in kind of day by day. The recruiter was very good. She was like, you know, every day she'd be like, now, Army values, you know, you, you're going to come back tomorrow, right, with this paperwork filled out. And every day it was like, you're going to come back for this physical. You're going to come back for the next thing you know. I was in the army. So <laughs> I, could, I was like, I said, I'd come back. I was okay. And so next thing you know, I went to basic training at Fort Jackson, um, the regular basic training, because they had this option um, where you go to basic training and then you go to officer candidate school at Fort Benning, Georgia. So I went to basic training and graduated that. And then I went to uh, officer candidate school at Fort Benning. I was 22 years old. I had no idea. It was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. Like, wow. because to go from, how we live. <laughs> seriously, I mean, I was always an athlete growing up. Um, okay. But officer candidate school was like physically the hardest thing I ever did in my life. So wow. <laughs> it was a shock to the system. But yeah, then I, I went on to serve 10 over 10 years. And um, I was a signal officer, so I worked in IT for the first three years. And then the last seven, I worked in public affairs. And I served at Fort Riley, Kansas, and 2nd Brigade, 1st Infantry Division. 
the big red one, and did two one-year deployments to Baghdad, um, 2008 to 2009, and then 2010 to 2011. And then I was an instructor at Fort Meade, Maryland, at the Defense Information School, which is where all Department of Defense public affairs professionals are trained. So um, that's that's the gist of my Army career. Hmm. Wow. Oh, that's a whole lot of fun. Scott, what do you think about that? Your, your Air Force buddies missed <laughs> out, man. They probably went to the bathroom and locked up, and <laughs> they, she just went across the hall. <laughs> they, we, we took a long coffee break and missed people, missed good people like that. But, hey, uh, Selena, I got to ask you, as you kind of paint your picture of these different um, uh, stops you made, when you when you started and you hit Fort Jackson, which is just out just, you know, Columbia, South Carolina, and then Fort Benning is down in Columbus, Georgia. What time of year was it? It was spring. It was March of t- 2006 when I got to Fort Jackson, so it was pretty cold. Okay, so but you then beat the heat. in the summer, yes. it was definitely hot. I remember my sweat was sweating. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes, well, you know. That's the thing. So some people have referred, I've spent some time in Columbus, love Columbus, and Columbus is not cool. But for some reason, Mary-Kate, Columbia, some people call Columbia and or Augusta the armpit of the South based on kind of, it just attracts all the heat right there. I'm not a meteorologist, but there's something about Columbia and or Augusta GA where Fort Gordon is that it just brings the heat. It it just attracts even more heat. It's like uh, you open the oven and uh, even the wind is hot. Uh, but so Your sweat is sweating. That's what I'm sweat is sweating. I went to Lax and Jackson too. So I can, <laughs> I can definitely, I got, I got fond memories, but see you, you got to go to the sweeter, uh, shine better side of the, the line there, but uh, they give you a little bit of taste about how we live on the enlisted side before they send you off. Well, that's, that's right. Mary Kate, I forgot you, you spent time, I guess your base, it was in, in Columbia at Fort Jackson as well, huh? It was, and uh, lots, lots of sausage gravy. I, you know, they had us in high order, and I always remember, like, in the food line, they would give the, the tall guys extra portions, like, bigger portions, and I'm like, I did the same number of push-ups as really? these guys. I want my same <laughs> scoop of food. <laughs> They're serving. I was always at the end of the line because my height, and then the time I get to sit down, the drill instructors are already making us get back up again. <laughs> so oh, man. I, I, I don't miss. Felt, Look, I really didn't get to eat at basic training. I don't miss those days. You know, I love the regularity of basic from my time way forever ago. But man, walking past, uh, what do we call it? The Viper Pit, you know, the rounding off your bites. <laughs> you don't want to be picked on. <laughs> Selena, is this, is this stoking any memories? Oh, I mean, it was, it was tough times. I remember basic training being, I was cold, tired, sick. I mean, I had no idea, you know, what, Mm. what was what at that time. Mm. I mean, I think it didn't hit me until midway through basic training that what I was going to be doing next. I had no idea. So (laughs) a lot of folks have that epiphany. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have that? Did you have that guidance from, from anybody? Like when you, that epiphany moment, like, did you have any sort of mentorship throughout your time in the early stages of your career? The help oh, guide you, anybody of, that sticks out to you? Oh, so many. Everybody really played a role in it. It's just such a personal and professional growth journey from the beginning. Absolutely. And I think the the biggest lesson I learned throughout, especially the initial training environment, was 
what I think my limits are. I can't do this. I can't do that. Mm. They're nowhere near that. So I remember always thinking, there's no way I can do that. There's no way I can finish this obstacle course. There's no way I can run five miles in under 45 minutes. There's no way I can do this, you know, 10 mile road march with 70 pounds on my back and a weapon. There's no way I can go up this rope, ring the bell. And by the end of it all, it was like, wait a minute, I did do that. Not only that, I did it well. And so I think it was just a really big learning lesson for me that it's, it, it's not about I can't because what you think, that's not your limit. Your limit is way beyond that. And it's all up here. A lot of it's mental, actually. And so you yes. just have to push through it and push through it. And it's through pushing through it. Because if you're not willing to put the work in, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you put the work in, eventually you will get there. So that Absolutely. was, yeah. That's kind of funny, right? When you, uh, yeah, when you get to the end of basic training that people are actually thanking the drill instructors, it's like you, you almost get to a point where you appreciate going through all that and, and the bond that you make from with the people that you're there with. So I agree with you. It's tough to pick just uh, one or two uh, mentors from that time. But those lessons learned, Scott, those sound uh, really useful just in life, right? Oh, that yeah. You, you gained from that service and that training. I think what Selena just shared there in the last couple of minutes, I think it is, it's, it's a universal solvent, right? You do the work. You do the work. You don't get distracted. Yeah, sometimes some days are going to stink more than others. But you keep doing the work and doing the work and holding the faith and and you're going to eventually going to benefit and and you're going to especially if you don't give up while others do because you'll along the way folks you'll see other folks give up and just maintain that focus and put in the work so i love 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 that message selena so let's talk about uh your transition to the private sector right we've spent a lot of time here at veteran voices uh, one of the things we talk a lot about and thanks to mary kate for leading the conversations is about transition you're still you know I, I think my observation is I think there it's gotten better. I think I think corporate America to some degree has kind of wrapped their head around how to lean in more to transitioning military members, but we still have lots of heavy lifting and, and a lot more work to do. Tell us about your transition. My transition was I was hustling. And I mean, I when I decided I was going to get out of the army which was months before I was going to pin major. So I, I had been selected for promotion and I, and that was a hard decision to say, you know, Hey, I'm at the 10 year mark. You know, that's usually where people decide kind of what to do. And I thought, man, I'm leaving so much opportunity here on the floor, but it just, I felt like it was time to take care of myself in different ways. And it, I just felt strongly for that. So I wrote a, pro and con list. A lot of times you have to put it on paper to see what are the pros of me getting out? What are the pros of me or the cons of me getting out? And here's the thing too. Everyone in the service is going to tell you to stay in and probably people that are very close to you because they've seen, they, you know, they've seen the benefits of it. Well, and Selena, if I can, if I can button for just for a second, you can't go anywhere. And it's, it's a lot of pitches and some salesmanship, at least it was during my time. And, and really, you're in the moment, you're living in the moment, and then you start thinking about some of those pros. 
I came really close to re-enlisting. And Mary Kate, I'm not sure if, if this kind of resonates with your experience too. Yes, but very much so. You, you kind of need, I love this pros and cons approach because for all the good good messages you get from from those that are that are, you know, want to keep you as part of the team, you gotta gotta balance that with that outside view as well, Selena, right? Because it depends on what's right for your journey. Is that got how right. you kind of felt about it? Yeah. And the thing about it is, is the pros and cons were pretty equal. And so for me, the deciding factor really was, you know, I, I need to take better care of myself and I need the flexibility to do that. And, you know, when you're in the military, it's 24 seven. So if you're not feeling good, too bad. You can't take sick leave that morning. No, they're going to make you get up extra early to go to sick call. So it's going to be extra uncomfortable. You know, you can't always be there for your family or friends. I mean, think about all the things that people miss out on when they're in the military. So I just, I did the pro and con list and it was pretty equal. Of course, there was this big risk of, I have no job lined up. <laughs> so right, that's a big one. That was a risk. How's that for your dad? How's that for your your dad who had, who had done served 20, 20 years and did he did he weigh in at all about you oh, getting out? He did, especially he over the halfway did. point, right? He did. He, but you know, Scott, you can relate. You know, Mary Kate and I, we were tough. We were in the army, and so Scott, you were in the <laughs> Air Force. My dad told me he's. He never even blinked an eye when I said, I'm thinking about getting out because he watched me go through back-to-back deployments and they were not easy. They were not easy deployments. So he was very sympathetic, like, yeah, go ahead, you know, get out. You'll be fine. But yeah. That's great. I absolutely think it's, um, that's the part that I found played in, in my transition were kind of the, the voices of other people that are trying to weigh in on what's best for you. And I, of course you have your family weigh in, but there were some folks that I'd only met a couple times or maybe even just once I reached out to them on LinkedIn or whatnot to say, Hey, could I meet you for a virtual cup of coffee? And sometimes the advice they gave me was just so out and left field from what I was but I was taking it to heart because I'm like, they obviously know better because mm-hmm. they've already transitioned. And so I think it takes a, a lot to just uh, take that step back. Like you said, the pros and cons list for yourself and your family, as opposed to that list, thinking about it for everybody else, because people's opinions are going to be different. Oh, yeah. And I always tell people that, you know, my friends who are still in and, and they're like, oh, I'm going to stay. And I guess I'll stay in two more years. If I stay in two more years, I go, everybody you talk to in the service is going to try to get you to stay in because, mm-hmm. but they're not living your life. They're not inside of your body. They're not living in your family life, you know? Right, right. And so I'm not saying it's a bad option because I would say that after I made the decision, it was like a lot of stress, right? Because it's not like a regular job where you qu- you give two weeks notice and you quit. It's like this transition period where you're like, you can't get a job, but you also know that you're not going to have one. So it's very stressful And during that time, you know, I was hustling. I was, you know, working on my resume. I was trying to figure out the timelines. Okay, when can I apply to government jobs and get veterans preference? Like what, you know, what are, what is all of that? What does it look like? And that, that was very stressful, but, um, and it took about four years after getting out for me to kind of 
I would say not miss being in the army because right. it was really hard at first. That was like my tribe, my identity, my, that was who I was. I wasn't Selena. I was captain minors and mm. I felt like, you know, that. And so to kind of leave that environment after being in it for so long, it was a shock to the system. <laughs> I believe it. I, I think I can certainly relate that, that, that tribe, that family, that even, even if that consistency in terms of what to expect, you know, e- even though, you know, every day wasn't just like the other, but it was, it was a really tough, tough decision. I think for any, any uh, uh, military member before, you know, maybe perhaps the easier decision when you hit your 20, I don't know, you, maybe your, your dad has talked to you about that. That might be the easy decision get my 20 and then I'm, you know, I'm out. I've heard a lot of people talk to me about how easy that decision is. Of course you got to get there. But uh, anyway, so let's, um, you, you were just a minute ago, uh, Selena, kind of thinking about, you mentioned your advice to others. So if, if, you know, we were, if you were addressing a room full of active duty military members going through that same, you know, pro and con, you know, internal uh, decision, critical decision, uh, and maybe they opt to transition, what advice would you offer them? It's twofold because we just talked about hustling and, you know, constantly kind of planning the next step for for later. And so it's twofold. Uh, that's what I did. I was highly stressed and I didn't need to be. That's what I learned. Mm. If I could turn back time, I would have used all of my transitional leave and gone on a gigantic trip for 90 days. Yes. I would have spent time with everyone that I wanted to and woke up late stayed up late, did everything I wanted to do. And I didn't, I didn't, I took a week of leave and then I started working and I regret that because Mm. it would have been okay. And I think that's my advice is that it, it will be okay. You know, if you did the work, just enjoy your terminal leave Mm. because you're never going to get an opportunity for that much vacation time at once. And I wish I could turn back time. I always say, I wish I could take take a month off anytime. Like just, you know, don't even pay me. I just want a month off. So, so, you know, I love and Mary Kate, I'm going to get your, you're, if you look back, uh, I want to ask you get your take in just a second. But you know, one of the things I heard there from Sel- uh, Selena is, you know, a lot of times the stress we're feeling is the stress we're putting on ourselves, and that's within our control. Uh, and I think that is, you know, that's more universal advice. Uh, wh- whether you're, you know, supply chain professional uh, and you're grappling with, you know, uh, our day to day, or you're in the military, or you're a veteran, or, or whatever, you know, a lot of these things are within our control that we can we can uh, directly address. But Mary-Kate, looking back when you exited and separated from the Army, what's one thing you would have changed? Well, I, I, I definitely have to piggyback off Selena. When I actually, I, I didn't even take a week. I was, I was thinking, it must have been so nice that you even took a week because I, I got off active duty on a Saturday and I started my new job that Monday. Wow. I, I literally rolled right into it. But I, I was losing, I, don't, I didn't even think that I'd be able to enjoy vacation without having a job lined up. And I didn't get an offer letter till 10 days before my last, I had 10 days left on active duty and when I got that offer letter. And I was just 
I think all the, the nerves, but I, I would say my advice is really about finding your why, because to Selena's point about taking that time off, I was meeting with so many other people who didn't understand really where I was at because everybody's unique situation is your journey with your family and what's best for you and your family. And I was taking in so much advice that I didn't stop to pause and say, what is my why first? So I could be deliberate, more deliberate with the conversations I was having and be more deliberate with my time. So I think I was running out of time at the end and it was kind of rush, 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 and then no vacation. So to Selena's point, I would, I wish I would have taken that time to really step back and find my why earlier on. Love the advice both of y'all are offering up here. And then y'all had me beat. I didn't, I couldn't find a job to save my life when I got out of the Air Force. Uh, I didn't know what I was qualified. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that, that, uh, I should have been more prepared for, but it took me like well, six months. I think that's yeah. a really important point. And Mary Kate kind of alluded to it. It depends on your situation because there are some MOSs that are not as job transferable. And so, you know, you that needs to be in your pro and con list. And so you have to be prepared for that. Um, so it's, it's definitely a case-by-case basis because as they always say, an infantryman is not as transferable as an IT professional or a logistics or admin, or, you know, we like to make fun of the support staff when we're in, but it's the support staff that, (laughs) you know, may have an easier transition. Excellent. Yes. Excellent point. Okay. I love the advice. I I appreciate the frank conversation we're having about our, our, our different uh, journeys and experiences, especially with, with the critical topic of transition. Let's move forward a little bit because uh, I think you've got, Mary Kate and I both think you've got a fascinating role now. As you mentioned kind of in the pre-show, you're usually on the other side of the mic or the camera, which we're going to talk about in a second. But what do you do now? So I am blessed to work at the Department of Veterans Affairs. I love the VA personally and professionally. It's a fantastic place to work. And the VA care is bar none. So I'm the director of communications for the Office of Clinical Services within the Veterans Health Administration. VA, of course, has Veterans Benefits Administration, Veterans Health Administration, National Cemeteries. And the program office that I work for has many heavy hitting programs within it the Homeless Program Office, Office of Mental Health and Suicide Prevention, Spinal Cord Injuries and Disorder Surgery, Primary Care, Specialty Care, and Mm. Diagnostics. And so it's a very large program office, over 40 sub-specialty offices. And um, my role is to tell the office's story. So um, in short, that includes getting the word out on all of the great things that the VA is doing and that the the services that are available um, and making sure veterans know VA is there for them. Just the breadth of what you described there. uh, It's uh, remarkable and and I appreciate what you do and and the rest of the the VA, the massive VA team. Mary-Kate, before we talk about chats with the chief. Uh, what'd you hear there about what, what Selena does with the VA and, and you know, got to get the word out, huh? Yeah. And I think it's great to hear the inside scoop from someone who is working to, to hear that you, there is a good culture and that the, you have a, you're having a positive experience working from the inside. 
because you know, the, the media tends to spin things all kinds of ways. And I think just hearing that, um, that's what I, I really captured is just getting a, a deeper look into veteran affairs and knowing that there's all these resources available. And I have to tell you that even filing our claim, I know we didn't touch on, on that really in the transition, but that process to, to file your VA disability claim um, and then knowing that there's all, you just mentioned a list of all the, the great things and, and there's specialists that are focused on that. They're doing research and they're there for us. Mm-hmm. And it's a great point. Uh, and, and I wish it also, you know, we, we, we mentioned vets to industry on the front end. I think the awareness, of course, of all, everything at the VA, but, but beyond, uh, you know, in this, in this ecosystem of, uh, of veteran services, you finding and being aware of a resource for a need you have, it's so uh, helpful to have or to have people like Selena, but also to have organizations like Vets to Industry that kind of vets all these things out there. Because unfortunately, as the three of us know, in the last you know twenty some odd years, there's been a lot of bad actors, you know, set up shop for profit shop and kind of and kind of use that uh, veteran services organization, that VSO, as a um, almost like a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Uh, and we got to vet the real resources and the real the folks that are there to help veterans from the folks that are there to make make a buck. And and it's so disappointing to make that observation, but it's reality from what I've seen at least. Uh, Selena, any thoughts there? I just encourage all veterans to choose VA, give VA a chance. I will tell you firsthand that these people who work at VA, they are so dedicated. A lot of them. Let me tell you, they could make double, triple the amount that they make at the VA on the outside. And they serve in the VA because they want to serve veterans mm. and they are the best. Mm. I, honestly and truly, it's the best care That's that I've received. And I have a civilian health care. You know, my husband's still active duty. Wow. And it is the VA is bar none. All of the programs the VA offers, not just. Uh, the healthcare side, but the home loan, the GI Bill. I mean, I used the GI Bill after I got out and got a master's from Georgetown. That's $30,000. That's a $30,000 program, you know? So the VA facilitates all of this and Mm. they are uh, truly amazing for, for every negative story that may be out there that you have to really peel back the onion and kind of say, okay, well, what, what is being said here and what's not? Because there's a lot of things that people don't hear. They don't get to hear the VA side of the story a lot of mm. times due to mm. privacy, yeah. HIPAA, due to, you know, and there's probably a thousand good stories for every bad uh, story that you hear that isn't being told. Mm. Let's tell you, I had a chance to to have breakfast with uh, Secretary McDonough one time on my opportunity with Hill Vets, and he uh, took the time to have breakfast with us. But being able to talk to, especially the man himself, <laughs> when you were yes. talking about vet, VA, the VA and and women's health, um, was one thing that I brought up. And it, it was he he looked he looked at me and sort of did this like you know email me kind of thing and and I did and he actually had a, a, a doctor reach out to me a, a woman doctor reach out to me to talk about some of the things that I was concerned about for myself and so the fact that the secretary took that time I mean that was yes that was huge I mean and I'll speak over and over again about that I mean how often do you get that but he really 
took it to heart. He didn't just say, reach out to my people. Right. He's like, contact me directly. And he put me directly in touch with the professionals. So that's wow. how he is. And he's, he's fantastic. We're very lucky to have him. Man, uh, there's so much. Mary Kate, you keep surprising me with all this stuff <laughs> you're up to it. Elbows you're rubbing. All right. <laughs> so let's, let's talk, uh, Selena, about this podcast. I know there's a bunch of different things on your plate, a bunch of cool things that you do. Clearly, you love what you do, and, and I love that. Um, that resonates with a bunch of us here. Um, talk, talk to us about this podcast, Chats with the Chief. What is that? Chats with the Chief is a podcast that we started um, with Mr. John Jensen. He actually, his last day was Friday, um, but he was the Veterans Health Administration's chief of staff for two years. And he said to me, Selena, I want to do something that really showcases all levels of VHA, really connecting people, focusing on employee engagement, getting to know each other as people, but also how we interface in the system. And so that podcast is real. was really, we did 21 episodes um, total, and we've had the most wonderful guests like Dr. Norman Hooten. He was in Black Hawk Down, the actual event. Um, and he got out of the army, was very much impacted by the opioid crisis, seeing a lot of his friends suffering from that. He decided to go and become a pharmacist. So he got his pharmacist credentials, and now he's a pharmacist in the VA. And I don't know if you've seen Black Hawk Down, but he is a true bad A. <laughs> so I love him, right? So hearing his story, and we just uh, last week broadcasted our episode with Dr. John Perlin. He used to be the Undersecretary for Health, and now he's the president of the Joint Commission, which is the governing body that, you know, makes sure that quality and safety throughout the healthcare systems across the country are, are good to go. And he is a phenomenal guest. Mm. I mean, again, not a veteran, but has deep roots in the military community and cares so much about veterans. So hearing these stories, we've also had Secretary McDonough on the show and, and many, many others. So that's always been a great project to work on, to tell those stories. Love it. So Chats with the Chief, I'm assuming you can find that wherever you get your podcast from. And of course, we'll try to include some links in the show notes of this episode to make it really easy for you. I love, love those conversations Perfect. you described. Mary Kate, Black yeah. Hawk Down, one of, you know, I think of when I think of recent military movies, you know, Saving Private Ryan, certainly Black Hawk Down. There's a few others that come to mind, but these are, these are compelling movies that tell such a story that, that everyone needs to know because it, to me at least, it really captures in, an, in a way that only Hollywood can that the sacrifice and the images of the sacrifice that, that folks are yes. making when we're sleeping in our bed. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we even, we talk about like all the, the training that the military puts us through to prepare us for moments like that, but you really don't know doing how we're going to act in that moment when mm -hmm. literally your life is on the line. And that's when you really get to see with the men and women on your left and right and to your rear, like, are, are they really going to step up? And, and it's in those moments, like you say, where they're total bad age. 
as Selena said, <laughs> uh, to think about like how how far they have come um, to get where they're at now. And, and they didn't do it for the fame and glory or to get a movie in Hollywood after them. It's and uh, it, it it was there for, for them and their team. They were there for them and they, they were there for themselves, for their team mainly their team. And, and I think that that just goes to show uh, what makes us second to none compared to other professions out there. Mm. Well, man. and Black Hawk Down, I just want to add is probably my favorite military movie. And it's not a story people go, oh, that, that, that was a happy ending. That right. was a great story. That is a story about improvising, adapting and overcoming based on the ever-changing environment and the unexpected actually happening and most importantly never leaving a fallen comrade Mm. that's Mm. to me that's the story in that particular movie never leaving a fallen comrade no matter what even though it was it was you know almost a death wish to go back into the fight to get to recover battle buddies didn't matter never leave a fallen comrade and that's easier said than done and so I admire everyone who was involved in that for sure. Can't agree more with both of y'all. And, and I, I appreciate how both of you have eloquently uh, shared these important lessons to learn from these stories that, that really we're obligated and it's our duty to make sure that the now generation, next generation, who's to come, that these stories stay alive and well, right? Because there's so much to learn. We got to honor these folks. And we've got to act on their their sacrifice. So, all right. So let's talk about, let's switch gears for a second. Let's talk about this point in time count that you were uh, part of in Washington, D.C. I've been a part of the uh, same thing a couple of years ago here in Atlanta. What was your, tell us what it is and what were your experiences there? So this was not my first time participating in the point in time count either. Was my first time participating it in D.C., and what that is, is uh, the VA community partners and, and the Department of Housing and Urban Development, and they, they lead the, the point in time effort. Uh, you go out on one night, usually in January, but you know it can vary based on the community, and you survey people who appear to be homeless. And so this time, actually, I got, I, I, I signed up like I normally do. And someone said, oh, Secretary McDonough is going to do the point in time count with you. I was like, with me? Wow. Like, <laughs> and so um, he walked around uh, the streets of DC with me for five hours. And this was between 9, 9 p.m. and, you know, 1, 2 a.m. It was 16 degrees, I believe that night, it was really cold. And um, we walked around the, the streets of DC, you know, when we, we, you approach someone, you, you have some questions that if they agree to answering them, and it's all in an effort to understand how have homeless le- uh, levels changed from year to year across our country. So it's not just for veterans, it's for homeless people who appear to be homeless across our country. And right. it's a very special event because it, it ends up helping get people off the streets. So that I always like to do the point in time count. And it's just 
it's just a, a very humbling experience as well. And, and you really just feel like you want to help. And that, that is what you're doing to help. You're, you're going around and asking them questions and seeing kind of what the situation is and connecting them to resources, hopefully. Right. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, I, I served with, uh, we have a great organization called Vetlanta here in Atlanta. So big shout out to Lloyd Knight and Mary Kate. You may be familiar with that organization. Awesome yes. team, uh, very powerful, action driven. So as part of uh, some of my volunteerism with Vetlanta, I took the midnight shift with a point in time count here in Atlanta a couple of years ago. It was, it was a, also a really cold night. <laughs> But, you know, the awareness you leave with, and, and I, was, I was kind of sharing a little bit pre-show, it took me a while to digest what I saw, right? Because I think when you hear the word homeless, we all probably as humans, we make certain, you know, uh, thoughts in our mind, right? Subconsciously. But man, those interactions with, with all of those people here throughout Atlanta, it really opened my eyes up to, to not only some of the challenges, but their journey and, and some of their needs that aren't, unfortunately always thought about. So if you get a chance to volunteer in this point in time count that they take place across the country, they always need volunteers, do it. Mm-hmm. You, you will thank, you'll be thankful. You'll learn so much and you'll be in position, kind of what Selena's talking about, to help more after you, you know, kind of seek first to learn. So uh, appreciate you sharing that, Selena. Yeah, I just want to reiterate, it is our duty. Like you said, nobody should be homeless. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine being outside the entire month of January, nobody should have to, nobody should be homeless. And so mm-hmm. we have to, we have to end homelessness and we can. And there are a lot of people hard at work on this. A lot of great people. Mm-hmm. Um, our homeless program office is phenomenal. They do phenomenal work, always focused on, on this. So it is our duty. Read point in time counts of so listeners. Y'all check that out. All right, so Mary Kate, we're coming down the home stretch with our wonderful guest here, uh, Selena Miners. Where are we going next? Yeah, Selena, thank you so much for for sharing that. Gosh, I I was already just getting chills listening to you describing that. So Scott, yeah, I can I can totally relate that. I probably would have taken time to digest seeing that because mm. uh, usually like underlying issues, but the fact that you continue to serve beyond the uniform is so commendable and. Um, I, I heard that you were the, the first female to serve as the MC of the Veterans Day Services at Arlington National Cemetery this past November. So could you tell us a little bit about that special honor, how special that was and, and what it meant to you? Oh, gosh, that was just the greatest honor. I, where do you want me to begin? Um, <laughs> I, I I couldn't believe it. They had a tryout for the role of the master of ceremonies. And I, I didn't think, you know, I didn't think there's so many great people who are good at that, that kind of thing. And so when they told me, I said, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. And I um, my dad, uh, I had him fly down for it so that he could attend. And uh, my husband came also. He's still active duty army, as I mentioned. And, um, I remember just thinking, oh, wow, this is nationally televised. This is a big deal. I can't, all of these veterans, everybody, all the veteran service organizations, I mean, the secretary of defense was there like sitting right behind me. I was like, oh, (laughs) don't mess this up Uh, for, you know, the people, there's so much work that goes into it with the band and and all of the, the people who help with Veterans Day, it's incredible. So um, 
did a lot of uh, a few rehearsals with the the military district of Washington and their team, and they are true professionals. Um, they run, you know, they run all of that, and and Arlington Cemetery is amazing, of course. So, yeah, they they. It, there was this part in the speech that I distinctly remember, of course, because I've never been anywhere close to the president before. And it's where I introduce him and, and I look over and I'm like, oh, wow, he's right there. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Um, it felt it didn't feel real. So but I got through it without without any mistakes. And I it was kind of a blur. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that happened. That was crazy. I don't know what to say about it. But um Veterans Day is is obviously always special because it's our chance. Unlike you know, Memorial Day is more somber to to remember you know those who've lost their lives. But Veterans Day is for for all veterans, um, past, present, and so it's it was great to to fill that role. And I was very honored to be the the first female uh, veteran to 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 do that. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. And I just I think in, like you just described mentioning Arlington, even just looking to the right of Arlington Cemetery at the gates is the Women and Military Service Memorial. Yes. It's like yes. right there and people walk right by it all the time to go straight to the cemetery. Yes. In fact, you being the first woman and, and being in Arlington and with the Women's Memorial right there. Very powerful. Yes. Actually, the the um, the post lunch uh, brunch was hosted there. And that is an amazing, amazing uh, memorial and, and museum to, to check out. Highly recommend. I want to go back and really digest more of it because it was so wonderful and touching. Because I don't even think we, when we were in the military, you know, you kind of, I want to say, felt like you knew your place. And I know that's bad to say, but... I distinctly remember so many times thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm a woman and it's just not a woman's mm. place. You know, it's not a woman's career. So, of course, we're not depicted. We're not. You You kind of like accepted it almost. And to see now that it's uh, becoming more common for people to understand, hey, women serve too. Women have been serving. They've been serving forever. They've been serving in combat and forever, you know. Um, I was in a combat unit. I hope you'll share this story with them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really can relate to that. I, I hope that you'll it, you'll contact Memorial to share how you're the first because, Scott, if you don't know that women in, in military service Memorial is like the first women on submarines, the first women uh, fighter pilots, like there's so many um, that that memorial in that museum just captures so many of mm. the first for mm -hmm. women in service of, of the branches. And it's just absolutely incredible. So, Selena, for a little bit more about the the ceremony. Um, how did that that go? Was it was it really long? Was it was it short? What was what was the service? Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, well, there was a lot of prep work that went into it. You know, uh, the VA in partnership with the military district of Washington you know, the army, they're working on Veterans Day and Memorial Day all year long and to make it, you know, special. So of course you have to get there far in advance, go through special security, you know, get a special pin and all of that stuff. So you don't get tackled by the secret <laughs> service because they're everywhere, <laughs> which was really cool. I was like, can I walk here? Can I walk there? This is so cool. Like, 
am I okay? You know, I had never <laughs> been around that kind of environment before. So, but it was wonderful. Um, it, was, it was not long. It was, I enjoyed the day. I enjoyed the day. I just talked to everybody I saw and, and it was just beautiful. And to have my dad there and, and my husband, that was really Very great. Special. Very special. Yeah. Well, what do you think about that, Scott? That was a Incredible. You know, uh, it, it is incredible. It is incredible. And, and I appreciate, you know, the last time we were together, we didn't get a chance to dive into this as much as you described it here today. And gosh, I've got just um, uh, a much better visual. And I didn't realize about the memorial right there as you go into the right. I, I missed that much like you described, Mary Kate. I missed it. You know, we, we, we were so, uh, I had a very little time. And as we talked about, I think last time, Selena and Mary Kate, we've, I think we've talked about this. You don't want to like book an hour for Arlington. You really want to give it, you want to have plenty of time yes. to kind of um, uh, ex- uh, explore, may not be the right word, but just kind of soak it all in. It's such a powerful, moving experience. And clearly, despite, I, spent, I think, half a day there, maybe more, I missed um, important parts. So Mary Kate, thank you for sharing that with me and listeners. Yeah, I had my reenlistment ceremony there. So I, I dragged wow. my unit to come. I say, you want to come see me reenlist? You got to see it come to the memorial. And I did that because I knew that I knew that so many of my soldiers didn't know about the memorial. People go use it for the bathroom, but they go right by and, mm-hmm. and totally miss it. Yes. And it's right there. And they see the building and they don't realize it. they have they have uniforms of our women service members, our sisters who have been killed in action. Mm. They've got their uniforms and cases there. They've got so many photos of just the, the bad A women. I could keep saying that. I was saying the bad A women that are in that uh, memorial. And now Selena, you definitely can get more uh, memorialized in there as the first uh, MC, no. the Arlington there, event. That's that, that does not even compare even, even, like a little piece of my my nail here in comparison to what they have done. But I did also want to mention that the, it was last year was the 100th anniversary of the Tomb of the Unknown. And mm, yes. it was the first time that people could go and lay uh, flowers down. And the old guard and the, the honor guard, they're just, they're just amazing, right? I mean, I, you can't, I don't know. It's, it gives me goosebumps, even just thinking about what they do and all of the different things they do. So um, that was another special thing. And, and we commemorated that on the cover of the program mm. uh, as well. Well, uh, you're going to have to write a book about all the experiences that you've shared here today. <laughs> I, I promise you it's coming. I can see it now. I can, see, I can, I can already see the, the front cover, uh, one that would make your dad, John, right? Very proud. So John, uh, clearly, uh, I love uh, how much uh, your daughter has spoken about your impact on her journey here today. Who knows? We'll have to tee up an episode, Selena, with you and your dad, maybe. But <laughs> let's, as we start to wrap, let's make sure folks know how to connect with you first, uh, Selena. Well, I'd be happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. So just look me up, Selena Miners. You'll find me. I'm there. And that's how I found. I, that's why I was, I was, I was <laughs> learning about uh, that special Veterans Day ceremony. And that's how we first got connected. So I'm so glad that you've taken time with us here, Selena Miners. I really enjoy and appreciate what you do. And as Mary Kate pointed out, your continued service to our veteran community. It takes, it takes those action oriented leaders. Uh, the need and our responsibility is so great. So I'm really very thankful for what you do, Selena. Thank you. Mary Kate. 
Speaking of, both of y'all are bad A women, uh, bad A fellow veterans. Uh, both of y'all continue to serve, right? Mary Kate, as you know, we're big fans of what you do, not just here at Veteran Voices, but everywhere. And you see it. You see it in action. So, Mary Kate, how can folks connect with you? Yes, absolutely. Definitely on, on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well. And uh, Mary Kate Saliva, S-O-L-I-V-A, and also um, Veterati. I'm also, I also volunteer there on, on Veterati, free platform for you to sign up for mentors. So happy to help wherever you're at on your, your journey. Love that. And, and that's a very sincere, I, I see it. Again, we all see it. So I love what you do there, uh, Mary Kate. And of course, this is her show. So you can find Mary Kate <laughs> regularly every other Friday, just about uh, here at Veteran yes. Voices. So subscribe because uh, you don't want to miss conversations just like this one here today we've had with Selena Miners. All right, folks, Selena, again, thank you for your time. We look forward to reconnecting with you down the road a little bit. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and thank you both for your service. Mm, mm. Thank well, you, your dads, your husband's continued service. Um, and thank you, especially for continuing to serve beyond the uniform. Mm. I mean, very powerful what you're doing now. So thank you. Couldn't say it better. So big thanks to Selena Miners with the Director for Communications for the mm-hmm. Veterans Health Administration's Office of Clinical Services, which, of course, is part of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Selena, that tried to trip me up there, and I just about gave in, but I think we got it. <laughs> I was holding my breath. Oh, no. <laughs> big thanks, of course, to our host here at Veteran Voices, our fearless bad A host, Mary-Kate Saliva. Really appreciate all that you do, Mary-Kate. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. And to our listeners, you are why we exist. So if you've got story ideas, bring them to us. Be sure to connect with us across social media. We're active on LinkedIn and Twitter in particular. Be sure to connect. You're not going to miss connecting with both our guests, Selena Miners, and our host, Mary-Kate Saliva. And find us, Veteran Voices, wherever you get your podcast from. A big thanks again to our nonprofit partners over at Vets to Industry. But folks, whatever you do, hey, be like Selena, be like Mary-Kate, do good. Give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Veteran Voices. Thanks, everybody.